Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday, Takes on Takes edition of the show. Kyle, welcome. We have a little something to celebrate today. Yeet! It's birthday. We get a birthday today, Joe. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, dear Draft Network. Happy birthday to you. I should have just said happy birthday, Draft Network. That would have come off the tongue better. What would you say instead? I already forgot. Dear Draft Network. I'm pissed <laughs> off at myself, honestly. Well, we're keeping it, Kyle. You know? God, so stupid. <laughs> we turn one today. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. First source is close to the situation. <laughs> We well, launched website, one year ago. I turned one today. I think the website di- or the I think the Twitter account just died today. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Trevor. <laughs> uh, Literally man. just got a tweet at me from Johnny, and his at is Al Brighty. Then why am I blocked by Traff Network? Jesus, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that to him. So that's a great question. Takes on takes, Kyle. Really yeah, excited for you. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Uh, listen, listen, by the way, I could have done Thursday's show. I didn't fly out until like 9 p.m. <laughs> so you, you, just had already, me- you had already like set up this whole schedule. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, like 12 o'clock rolls around. I'm like, wow, like <laughs> I'm sitting here at my desk, business as usual, and was told not to show up for the podcast today. Oh, okay, Kyle. Um, no, I was glad to handle it, you know? Glad to get it taken care of. And I think the one that threw me a curve for, for a curveball was Monday. I was like, geez, I thought you were coming back Sunday. So did I. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we're glad to be back together. Hopefully, we still know how to podcast. Let's do takes. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's give it our best shot. We'll give it the old college try. We will. And you're not blocked by Draft Network on Twitter. Trevor uh, made an adjustment today <laughs> to switch the birthday, and Twitter didn't like to find out that we're one years old, and we got uh, shut down. Shut down. So hopefully that's restored very quickly. Otherwise, uh, we're throwing Trevor off the Bay, the Bay Bridge in Tampa. Uh, Joe, I have a take for you. Yep. The Robbie Amel challenge is the greatest challenge of 2019. That was great because uh, I didn't know about it until this morning when we were in a group text and it came up and I'm like, what is everyone talking about? And uh, somebody had said, Did th- was this inspired by the video that you made? And I'm like, what video? And so I went to your Twitter account and saw your video and saw all the wonderful replies. And then I went back and saw what all this was about with Marcus, Marcus Mosher and whatever that guy was trying to throw a quarter a football. And it was a great start to my day. 
So if you're not familiar, uh, there's some like lifetime TV movie or something that has this. It's based in high school, apparently. And there's this guy who's cast to play a quarterback. And uh, his throwing motion, how would you best describe it? Um, it looks like a rock'em sock'em robot. If the robot was trying to throw down instead of punch up. That's pretty it's, fair. It, it's the worst throwing delivery I've ever seen in my entire life. And Marcus Mosher essentially said that he said, you know, how can these, these actors on TV, like not know how to throw a ball. This is amazing. And like everybody started jumping on it. Colin Cowherd got in on it. I don't know if you saw that part, Joe. Yeah, that's yes. Colin said like, I'm going to start my show with this tomorrow. This is disgusting. And then the actor whose name is Robbie Amell actually responded something along the lines of, well, you know, there's a camera and a big lighting boom to my right for lighting purposes. And that's how I, why I couldn't throw the ball like normal. Uh, it's just a movie, you moron, or something like that. And it goes on and on and on. And then people are, are making fun of this guy's throwing delivery. So this guy, who's an actor with like 500,000 followers on Twitter, interrupts his own date night with his pregnant wife <laughs> to go out in the street at dusk and say, Marcus, you know, you're an asshole, but... Here's I can actually throw a football. Look, here's my delivery. And it's still arguably the worst throwing delivery on the well actually tweet that I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Like the man just does not know how to throw a football. Yeah. He looked like he's throwing a javelin. And once the ball is out of his hand and his arm is at like full extension, like he's reaching out to shake your hand, he lifts his arm back up over his head again. And does the throwing motion in reverse. So they just no clue how to throw a football. So I said, okay, well, let's let's do a challenge. Let's see everybody's worst throwing deliveries. And I started the Robbie Amel challenge by throwing a ball with just two fingers. And people have really taken off with it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, UDFA grade in terms of mechanics. Re not you know it. It's not UDFA grade. It's a reject grade. Um, but I, I think this is your best uh, your best work yet in terms of getting something to get some traction on Twitter. Did you see the breakdown that I the scouting report I gave him from the clip from the Lifetime movie or the Freeform movie? Yes. You know he's stewing, right? He was mad over Marcus's tweet. Now he's got a freaking movement going. This guy's stewing. This guy's stewing in his house. I bet he throws chess passes into Dr. Pepper cans. Hey. I respect the strategy there, although it's a little embarrassing. We, we don't. Okay. Um, right. I, I gave you that one. Got to toot my own horn a little bit here. How about we get back to business? All we right. Script today. Let's roll. Does right. that mean I'm giving you this one from Adrian? Yeah, yeah you just got to take from me. Adrian Mendez Munoz. And I have confirmed this is not Matt Valdivinos' yeah, burner sure. account. That's all right. <laughs> well, it's not fair to Adrian, you know? It's a real guy. He said the Washington Redskins will have a top five defense this upcoming season and will lead the league in pressure, sacks, and turnovers. No, they won't. Take from the sports nut, Joe. <laughs> KJ Costello will quietly rise up the boards and become a late first, early second pick in the 2020 draft. This is aggressive. 
Yeah, you know, I I haven't really like watched KJ Costello in terms of uh, you know with the scouting lens on, but I've watched a ton of Stanford and games against Stanford, so I'm pretty familiar with them. I watch him, and I don't think he's that bad, you know. And I'm anxious to actually kind of take a look into him a little bit deeper and see if this is something I can get behind. But I don't think uh, KJ Costello is is a player that isn't on the radar and isn't in this type of possibility to at least be uh, yeah, a, a you know a day two pick or something like that. Oh boy, I don't know how to say this guy's name. Um, Mathieu Gagne, maybe. Uh, he says Alvin Kamara. Oh, they want us to fight, don't they? Alvin Kamara is overhyped, not overrated, just like OBJ was after his rookie season. Jersey sales don't tell the whole story, and Kamara is good, but not a top four running back. Get the fuck out of here! You're just seeing analysis we're getting from you today. <laughs> You're supposed to laugh there. Um, and I told him, I, I tweeted a gif at him, like, get out or something like that. Right. With this. Um, obviously, I disagree. Uh, I do think all of the ways in which Alvin Kamar can contribute to your offense, whether it's the receiving game, the screen game, uh, as a pure receiver, uh, as a runner, outside zone, inside zone, uh, he can do a lot of really, really great things for you. And I think his diversity and his physical skill set do combine to give you uh, an elite um, an elite player. And I definitely think he's a top four running back. Uh, did you see Zeke has come out and said he's not playing this year without a new contract, by the way? Uh, did, I, I knew he was holding out. I didn't know that he came out and said that. That was this morning via Josina Anderson. Mm. Mm. Straight up says he will not play this year without a new contract that's crazy not not a fan of that but i i don't know i guess i get it i hate those situations man is every player on an expiring contract just supposed to not play like i don't know man this has just got much much more interesting dynamics here um and it's my cowboys bet so i need zeke to play (laughs) <laughs> yes you do yeah i need zeke to play. wait he's not that valuable right he just he just is healthy and and stays behind a good offensive line right kyle but if he's not available then he's no longer gonna contribute yeah right? but you know then you know. that's the whole point like he's such a consistent contributor because he's always available well if he's not available guess what now you're now you're definitely not an elite running not available by choice you hate to see it Right, yeah. All right, we're not we're not going to open up that can of worms because I I do generally speaking I generally support players doing what's in their own best interest, even if it comes at the expense of my bets. Andrew Pavlow, uh, my bold prediction for the twenty twenty season is twenty twenty. Okay, so this is for twenty twenty, not twenty nineteen. Oh wow! Thanks for clarifying. Well, I just wanted to be – maybe he no, meant 2019. I'm being dead I'd serious. he meant 2019, but I'm going to assume he meant 2020 because he wrote 2020. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an important point of information here. Oh, thanks for clarification. No, I meant that, Kyle. No, you did not. I did. because The Rams I, and Saints just... both missing the playoffs in 2020. The Rams fall back to 500 now that there's a blueprint from the Super Bowl on how to stop the repetitive game plan, and Goff doesn't take a step forward. All right, he wrote 2020. 
And I, of course, thought about this when it went on the list. And so I was thinking 2019, you're assuming the worst of me like my wife, Kyle. Uh, Okay. The both missed the playoffs in 2020? No. No, it's a bad take. I don't I can't get behind that. Jared Feinberg says, according to some on draft Twitter, Travis Etienne is overhyped due to lesser vision and receiving ability. Name names. That's what I want to know. <laughs> he said he was scared to catch a football, right? Yeah, I mean, he came out and said that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is a, a viable admission on his part and an admiral mission on his part. Um I think that needs to be accounted. If we don't see some growth in that area, does that make me a little bit more apprehensive of him as potentially being RB1? Maybe a little bit. Uh, right now, I do have him RB1 ahead of uh, DeAndre Swift, and my RB3 at this point is Jonathan Taylor. Figured I'd go ahead and throw some tidbits on player rankings out here on the pod today. Tre- every Trevor ever, no vocab today, straight take. And I'm glad you're getting the Miami take. If Miami ends up with the number one overall pick after this year, they will take either Tua or Herbert, and Josh Rosen will be the first quarterback to be traded to his third team in his first three years. Um. All right, so I do believe if Miami has the number one overall pick, they'll take Tua or Herbert, yes. Josh Rosen being traded three times in three years, man, that is just like hard for me to fathom. And I feel like at a minimum, Miami would want to keep him around to like – be a backup and maybe groom and try to get like a Garoppolo deal or something like that in a few years. So I'll take the first half of this, uh, but the second half of this, I cannot get behind. And now for you getting the Bills take this week, as I'm sure Stanley was hoping for when he put this out there. And of course, it's extremely aggressive. And he says the Bills are starting 7-0 and this year. Well, they play the Patriots week four, so that's not Right, that's a problem. They play the Patriots week eight with a bye on week six. Or I'm sorry, they play the Eagles week eight with a bye on week six. So their seventh game would be the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not winning that one either. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the best the Bills can be through the first seven games is five and two, which isn't that isn't that crazy to think that. But no, it's not because yeah. they play Dolphins is easily winnable game. They play Tennessee and Tennessee easily winnable game. Cincinnati's fucking roadkill this year. Uh, the Giants are roadkill this year, and the Jets. Yeah. So I, th- I think four and, if you're four and three or better, you feel really good about the start to your season. Right, that's about where I expect it. But seven and zero, oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Mantis Toboggan, MD, with a weekly take with Dan Quinn taking over the defense and having hands-on coaching with Vic, Tack, and Grady. I think Vic is looking at a ten-plus sack season. Tack, top fifteen in pressures, and Grady Jarrett will be a top ten defensive lineman in the NFL. Top fifteen defense? Question mark. Feel like those, the uh, he set a really high bar, and then he came back with top half of the NFL defense. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so give me Atlanta with a top 15 defense. Give me Grady Jarrett as a top 10 defensive lineman. I think I'm selling the other two here in terms of Vic having a 10-plus sack season and Tack uh, being in the top 15 in pressures. I mean, Vic had that one good year, and uh, you, know, you, you look at the way he got those sacks, it just was a lot of manufactured pressure and taking – uh, advantage of his athleticism, which look, maybe that'll happen more with Dan Quinn. Um, but I, I think that I, I still think that there's a component to having to be able to win consistently one V one to getting double digits and sacks. 
you know, Tack, look, he's had a decent start to his season, his career. I'm not sure he's he's ever going to be like an elite sack artist, but I think he can get you six to eight sacks a year. Uh, so I don't think that's going to get him in the top 15 in terms of pressures overall. So give me the give me the last two. I'm selling the first two. Uh, Charlie Gross wants to hear you talk about the Denver Broncos. They He says, the Denver Broncos' unwillingness to rebuild and John Elway's inability to find a replacement for himself, ironically, has left the team in NFL purgatory and sets the Broncos franchise back five years or more. Yeah. I mean, imagine if the Denver Broncos weren't able to sign Peyton Manning in free agency, which is something that never happens. Elite, arguably greatest of all time quarterbacks don't hit free agency. And that was the lottery ticket that John Elway cashed in for a Super Bowl. And, and, and what he did this year in bringing in Vic Fangio and Joe Flacco was just the safest stuff he could have possibly done for them to at least be an average football team. Right. Very cowardly. I mean, what, what's the ceiling there? Now, I, I admire Fangio and what he will have to work with defensively. In mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's very exciting. And and John is not, not bad at, at identifying talent in a lot of spots, mm-hmm. but quarterback's one of them. <laughs> and that's not very good. Well, I mean, maybe there's a recipe, and that's what John, John Elway's buying into is like, okay, we're going to have a great defense. We've got a quarterback that's had success in the league, has some stability there. We bring in Mike Munchak. We're going to have a better offensive line. We have some young playmakers. Maybe we can get to nine wins and backdoor into the playoffs like the 2017 Bills. Sure, sure. And I think that's uh, that's obviously what they're banging on, but long-term right. situation of quarterback is not resolved. <clears throat> Right, and Drew Locke. You listen to Vic Fangio talk about Drew Locke. It's remarkable. you got to be terrified as a Broncos fan. (laughs) Remarkable. Drew Locke's like a nice guy. You know he's working hard. You know, we we met Drew Locke. We spent time around him. He's not a jerk. He doesn't need to be sent a message through the media. But Vic Fangio just goes in on him every chance he can. Did did Locke like go into Fangio's office and take a dump on his desk or something? Like I don't get it. <laughs> like Christ, he's a second round quarterback. Like let him come along, man. He's like every time he gets a chance. Drew Locke. <laughs> I don't know. Sucks. Oh, he was bad. Wasn't surprised though. I'm surprised this guy sucked bad. I called him straight up. Not a quarterback two yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> oh man, you gotta love the old Italian man. Get off my lawn, Gran Torino style Vic Fangio. <laughs> Take from RJ Scorpion. Although the Bengals would be wise to move Dalton and commit to the rebuild, there simply is no market for him. Part two, Chicago should think about it and is a QB away from comp- – Whoa. Yeah, this is wild, right? I was hoping to get this one, man. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, so this guy – oh, RJ, thanks for the bold take. Um so yeah, like the Dolphins should move on from Andy Dalton. They've they peaked, right? They, did I say what, what I said? Dolphin, Dal- <laughs> Dalton. The D- Bengals should move on from Dalton at <laughs> that, some that's, point. That's where you got Dolphins. Listen, I, man, I got a lot in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the Cincinnati Dolphins. <laughs> it's more like the the Buffalo Dolphins. All the crappy players we keep bringing in from Miami. Um, okay, let me get on track here. Yes, the Bengals have peaked with Andy Dalton. They've achieved all the success they can. They're stuck in purgatory until they have 
a better answer. Now, there's some optimism with Zach Taylor and maybe that he can reinvigorate this offense, but I think we know who Andy Dalton is at this point in the NFL. Now, suggesting that Andy Dalton is going to upgrade over the ceiling that exists within Mitchell Trubisky is not something that I can get behind. That was a 12-4 and football team last year that was a missed field goal away in the playoffs from advancing in the playoffs. So I'm buying the ceiling of uh, Mitch Trubisky as opposed to what we know Andy Dalton is. Matty V, welcome to the show. Matty V says, CeeDee Lamb has a legit case to be wide receiver one. Hashtag Matt's Weekly Takes. I'm just glad you're getting the next take, and I'm not. C.D. Lamb does have the opportunity uh, to make a statement to be wide receiver one as far as I'm concerned because, Joe, have you watched C.D. Lamb? Oh, yes. Who does he remind you of? Anybody in particular? Uh, Elite body. uh, Michael Thomas? Well, he gives me some Nuke Hopkins vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. So, I mean, if you if you could tell me that that a guy has that kind of body control, that kind of hands, that kind of physicality, even if he's not like super explosive, even if he's not uh, a four three guy, yeah, I think you can make a case that a player with that kind of ceiling that reminds you of that kind of player can be wide receiver one at least for some people. Can't so, wait for him to run a four five and everyone thinks everyone's going to freak out that he runs right. four five two. Right. And it's going to be so dumb. I right. can't wait. Right. Um, this is a tattle take uh, CB from DC turns in or is turned in by Darcy. Uh, Kenny Galladay is better than Michael Thomas. Yes. I said it. Hashtag one pride. It's not a reasonable take, right? I mean, Michael Thomas is one of the most accomplished receivers through what has he played three years in the NFL and Kenny Galladay, look, he's a height, weight, speed freak. He had a great season, 1,000 yards for the Lions last year. But Michael Thomas is bonafide top five receiver in the game. And Kenny Galladay is a guy that's uh, you know looking to continue to make his mark and prove that he can be a consistent football player. Uh, so this is, this is not a good take. Uh, Joshua Carlson says, the Pac-12 will have a representative in the college football playoffs, and the Big Ten will not. I could see Oregon getting in. Um, I guess the challenge here is Ohio State's going to have a real, right. real good chance. We already talked about their schedule last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that we do need to start doing, Joe, is we start need to start doing conference previews because college football is like two weeks away. Uh, yeah, well, it sounds like that's going to be next week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> uh, tomorrow we need to do Water Cooler Wednesday and read through yeah. Cardi B's Twitter account. Oh, God, we're really doing that? Yeah, we need to. Man, I don't know how you run into this stuff all the time, man. <laughs> I follow some people that retweet some weird shit on my timeline, and that was mm-hmm. one of them. Um, very much looking for, do you want to come back for Cardi B's? I'm not a fan of Cardi B's music, but I'm a very big fan of her Twitter account. Now. I'm very uncomfortable already thinking about talking about the tweets that you've shared with me. <laughs> I think I like like sometimes I know I need to say less, but I know tomorrow I need to say less. So, Carius, brother, maybe we need to bring on like someone else with us. You know, yeah, this would be a fun one to go through with Ben or Trevor. Um, well, go ahead, you invite them. Not yeah. Trevor, not Trevor. I'm not speaking terms with Trevor until he gets our Twitter account back. Our Twitter accounts back. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the coward's way out and say maybe. With this Pac-12 Big Ten, I think there's a, a realistic chance that Oregon gets in. 
but I also think there's a realistic chance that Ohio State gets in. So we'll see. Uh, the sports nut referring to Charlotte's turnover trash can. What? Yeah, Charlotte dude. Has a turnover trash can. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. So read, read, read the take, and I'll I'll talk about it. The whole turnover celebrations and symbols have gotten out of hand and terrible. Well, I mean, just real quick, this was established when Florida State had a turnover backpack. So so UNC Charlotte literally just has like a tin trash can. It's like an Oscar the Grouch style <laughs> trash can. There's nothing on it. And I guess they like just dunk the football into it or something like that. Listen, here's the deal. I love all this stuff. I love all every bit of these turnover and chains and all this stuff. But let's be honest, they're not not all on the same tier, right? Like you've got like the the turnover chain in Miami, obviously, that's the GOAT, that's the OG. It's amazing. And there's been some decent things that have spun off of that. I like the beads in LSU, but there's been some crap ones like the, <laughs> the turnover backpack. I can't even say it without laughing. And the uh the trash can, I mean, this is really bad, but look. We know how important turnovers are in terms of winning football games. Anything that teams and coaches can do to emphasize them is is a good thing. And I, I love the energy and, and uh the you know just kind of what it brings to the football team and for the game. Like I'm 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 for the fun. Just let's not have bad ideas. The respected madman. This is our last one, and then we I guess we kind of have a bonus one. The respected man madman says six teams from last year's playoffs won't make the playoffs in 2019. Those that won't make it will be at least four of the following. Baltimore, Houston, the Chargers, Indianapolis, Dallas, Chicago, and Seattle. Rams will be a sixth seed. Philly wins the division. Unpack this for us, Kyle. Okay, so he's saying Seattle won't make the playoffs and the Rams will be a sixth seed. So who's winning the NFC West? The 49ers? No, he said four of those six teams won't make the playoffs. Right, so he's assuming that Seattle has a good chance to not make the playoffs. And that the Rams will also be a six seed. Kyle, people love the 49ers. They're they dumb. They love them. They're dumb. <laughs> the teams won five, what, five games? Six games? Seven games in two years? Listen, I... I won one on. game outside of December in the last two seasons. I touched on this in the six-pack Thursday. I don't get it, man. People are crowning the 49ers. Like, what, what is... Uh, Shanahan won, like, six games in two years or something like that? Well, he's done that. Don't you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's had less career pass attempts than Baker Mayfield, despite being a pro for six years? Uh, people love him, Kyle. Getting a hundred and fifty million dollar contract for one hundred and twenty pass attempts. All right, so yeah, I mean, I mean, we just we Nick Mullins was statistically speaking as effective a starting quarterback as Jimmy Garoppolo has ever been in his entire career. And how many games did the 49ers win? So unless you're going to tell me Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come in and he's going to be Patrick frickin' Mahomes, miss me with the 49ers hype. I don't get it. And because of that, all, the, all of this is now in, in incorrect. Because just this NFC West dynamic. But he's got I – mean, I think he's got a logical point. If you're going to say – I, well, I, I Look, respected man, man, I respect what you're going at here. I agree with you. You have four teams there that wouldn't make the playoffs. Rams will not be the sixth seed. Philly wins the East. Uh, now, do you think the Colts are making the playoffs? Yeah. Do you think the Bears are making the playoffs? 
Maybe. I can see a realistic chance where Chicago does not make the playoffs. Right. Do you think Seattle makes the playoffs? Maybe. Do you think Dallas makes the playoffs? Maybe. Do you think the Chargers make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Do you think the Texans make the playoffs? Uh, I have a hard time finding the course. Do you think the Ravens make the playoffs? They're the third best team in their division, so no. Okay, so you have the Ravens out. You have the Texans out. Mm-hmm. You would need two of the three maybes that you said between Dallas, Chicago, and Seattle to be out. For this I think he's got the right mix of teams, though, right? Like, if you're going to say four won't, it would be of those six. I think I definitely think Baltimore's out. I think you, you best-case scenario, will get one of the two uh, AFC South teams. By, by the way, I have a tattle take for you. Okay. Let me pull it up. I want to make sure I don't misquote this man because this is this is a doozy. It also involves the NFC cell or AFC cell. ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum says the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl this year. Doug Marone's still their coach. He is. Nah. Yeah, I know. Mike Mike's real good at looking at bad rosters and selling high. He did it for. Bunch of years in New York and a bunch of years in Miami. <laughs> All right. Most tortured fan bases, Joe. We got to touch on this. We got a minute or two here. Set the scene, sir. So Yahoo Sports put out their list of the 10 most tortured fan bases in football. And this is actually worse than the throwing motion that we described at the beginning of the show. The New York Giants, the New York Jets are the top two teams. Washington Redskins, Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions round out the top five. Cincinnati Bengals, San Francisco 49ers, Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers, and Oakland Raiders round out the top ten. So, let me get this straight. When did the New York Giants last win the Super Bowl? Brother, they've won four. 2012, 2008, 91, and 87. A normal, like, 30 to 30 to 40-year-old man has watched their team win the Super Bowl four times. Okay, so there are 10-year-olds walking the face of the earth that have seen this team win the Super Bowl. Yeah, cannot imagine how they're number one. Solid. Number one most tortured fan base in football, though. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the San Francisco 49ers have won five? They've won a lot. Okay. Um, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, and had a bad quarterback in 35 years. They've gone directly from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and have literally experienced 30 years of sublime quarterback play in the NFL. This just blows my mind, man. I don't know how the Browns and Bills aren't on this. They have to be. I mean, did everyone forget that the Bills went 17 years without winning going to the playoffs and lost four straight Super Bowls in the 90s? Like, what are we doing? How 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 am I not on this list? How were the Browns then on the list? Because yeah, they got I mean, Baker now? Yeah, because they went 7-8-1 last year. Come on now. The Giants, a team with four Super Bowl championships, relatively recently one. is number one? Yeah. Who made this list? Who Who are the names on the list that you actually agree with? The Jets. But they should be at like six through ten. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. They're not a top three. No. Uh, the I mean, Detroit Lions, for sure. Oh, yeah. Bump them up. The Cincinnati Bengals, for sure. Yep. And I get why the Minnesota Vikings are on here because they've never won a Super Bowl. And they've had, like, a lot of close calls. Like, the year they went 15-1. and one. Um, But they also should be, like, they're actually at a good spot, I think. Like, they're eighth. They should be 8, 9, 10. I think New Orleans has a case to be in here, right? No. Really, they got hosed the last two years. They won a Super Bowl. I get that. But, I mean, like, before Breeze was there, this was a pretty shaky team for a long time. And, you know, I think the heartbreak with Breeze combined with the last two seasons, like, I don't know. Like, it's better to have them on here than, like, the Redskins. Correct. I think the Bucks have a shot, too. Oh, yeah. Get them on here. They were horrible. And we, we just got done talking about all the great players the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have left slip through their fingers and go elsewhere to be great. Yep. Every time I read something, I find another player that had like ties to the Bucs. Jesus, this, guy, this guy's a Hall of Fame player. He yeah. played his first three years with the Bucs. <laughs> Favre. Was it, no, it's Steve Young, right? Steve Young. John Steve, Randall. Steve Young. You passed on John Randall. John Randall. Um, then they Bo, Bo Jackson. Jackson. Bo Jackson. Yep, Bo Jackson. Jeez, man. You hate to see it. <laughs> That's going to do it for us today. Uh, make sure you guys come back tomorrow for Water Cooler Wednesday. We'll shoot the breeze. Uh, kind of casual talk. We'll have some fun. Um, hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Talk with you all again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.